0: so don't settle find love at first drive and start shopping now at carmax.com carmax the way car buying should be
1: hi everyone welcome to Edition with digest i'm stephanie sloan editorial director here with mara levinsky senior editor hi everyone well mara we're in the home stretch for thanksgiving and as usual the shows will mark the holiday in their own unique way We'll see Brook and Ridge gather everyone together for a traditional bold and beautiful Thanksgiving. Days of Our Lives will feature their dinner in the Horton Family Dining Room, where Susan Seaforth-Hayes, who plays Julie, says she hasn't been in that set since Susan Flannery was playing Laura. Amazing. Yeah, I'm so excited to see it. Um, On General Hospital, we'll have to tune in to see if the Cues are having pizza once again, which I certainly hope they are. And on Young and the Restless, Phyllis will have a dream that gives her some new perspective about her life. Uh, Now, when I was growing up, we went to my aunt and uncle's house on Long Island here in New York, and we are a Thanksgiving dinner family. I since discovered that some people do it earlier in the day at like two o'clock, so we wouldn't really get there until sometime in the three o'clock zone, which means that I was... Only going to see some of General Hospital when we got there. (laughs) Now, I love a holiday episode, and I would basically freak out in the car if the ride was too long because I didn't want to miss seeing my Port Charles Dave celebrate. Um, but now when I think of Thanksgiving and soaps, it makes me think of the Hubbard squash at the Snyder Farm on As the World Turns, which could definitely send us both down a rabbit hole of how much we miss that show. Yes, it could. Uh, one of my own all-time favorite Thanksgiving on soaps memories is actually from World Turns' sister show, Guiding Light. The year was 1990, and it was the Lewis family's first Thanksgiving after Reva's presumed death. And if you know me, you know where this is going. Yes, it's a Josh and Harley memory. I was going to say, I know where this is going. (laughs) Yes. So Josh, Reva's widower, was awash in emotional conflict because as devastated as he was by Reva's death, he had fallen in love with his kid's nanny, Harley, and his father, HB, caught him trying to write her a letter after dinner. And uh, Josh opened up about how he wasn't sure if he was ready to love again. And HB said something like, boy, if you weren't ready to love again, you wouldn't be feeling it. Anyway, I think because the P&G soaps always felt so homey to me, I really miss the way that they marked the holidays. But I've, I've also been a fan for many years of the Quartermain's uh, Thanksgiving, and I just wanted to issue a quick programming note, which is that due to some uh, earlier preemptions, Thanksgiving on GH is mostly going to fall into the air week after Thanksgiving. Uh, but there are lots of different character combinations and families that we will see celebrating, not just the quartermain. So I think it will be worth the Wait. Uh, and in other GH news, the cover story of our new issue deals with the climax of the Grease storyline, where the show's had writers hinted to me that not everybody in the mix will make it out alive. But back to Thanksgiving. Stephanie Sloan, what are you most thankful for when it comes to soaps? Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, Let's see. So I guess in the big picture, I'm going to say that they're still on the air. (laughs) But if I'm going to go show by show, I will go alphabetically. Um, I am thankful that Deacon and Sheila are back on Bold and Beautiful and to see Ted King in a new role in Daytime. Um, On Days, I am thankful for the resurgence of the Carver Clan and that the show did the Beyond Salem spinoff for Peacock and that we're now going to see a holiday special in December at uh, general hospital. I'm very thankful that Sonny came home and that he and Carly reunited. Uh, and on Young, and the Restless, um, a few weeks ago, I would have said I'm really grateful for Nick and Phyllis. But since they've split, I'll <laughs> say I'm thankful for the incredible performances from Joshua Morrow and Michelle Stafford as Fick was breaking up. You. Well, I am thankful that uh, b bs hope is standing up for herself to Liam on the subject of Deacon and uh, that Taylor is finally going to be back in the mix. I am thankful that we are soon going to find out where Daisy's Sammy was carted off to and see her portrayer, Allison Sweeney, again. I am thankful that Laura will be back on screen soon on GH and fingers crossed that the climax of the Greek storyline means that Scotty will uh, get his schnitzel Obrecht back. (laughs) Uh, And on YNR, I'm just going to continue with this homecoming theme and say that I'm thankful that Missy Egan's Chelsea is poised to return and uh, looking forward to possibly seeing her go head-to-head with Sally for Adam. And just generally speaking, I am thankful for, like, all the things that happened on Soaps this year that made fans happy and felt like good payoff for them. And I feel like our guest today has been at the center of one such storyline. Oh, yes, she has. It's Victoria Conifle, who plays Daisy Sierra, one half of one of Soap's most popular duos. Now, we had Victoria on in 2018 with her co-star, Robert Scott Wilson, who plays Ben. And at the time, we ruffled some fan feathers by focusing too much on the fact that Ben is a serial killer, and their romance was, you know, a little hard to fully support in the beginning. But here they are, three years later, they're married and expecting a child, but I'm actually curious to see what Victoria has to say about the beginning of the sin romance, looking back at it three years later. Oh yeah, me too. And, and since we've yet to speak to her solo on the podcast, I am genuinely excited to get to know more about her. Well, me too. So let's get her on the line and see what's up. Hi, Victoria.
2: Hi, Stephanie. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Well, thanks so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. It's always a pleasure. So, we haven't spoken to you on the podcast
1: in three years, and last time it was with Rob. So, now we get you alone, and we're going to get much deeper into yeah. VK. Okay.
2: <laughs> I'm with V. That's right. <laughs>
1: so let's start. You were born in New York City and raised in Brooklyn. So, tell us about
2: your childhood. Uh, my childhood was really cool in that I. Because I grew up in, in New York, I had that city element that, that helped raise me, that grit. But also living in Brooklyn, you know, uh, Prospect Park was really accessible to me. So I did have that nature, you know, fun element of, of children playing outside and, and running around the block with their friends. So I feel like I kind of got the best of both worlds. Um, and, and New York is a city that's that innately immerses you in creativity and art regardless. Uh, so it definitely had something to do with my career choice. I think, uh, I was surrounded with it since I was born. And, uh, I I think New York had a big part in, in me making the decision to pursue acting and every part of my personality, man, every New Yorker can agree. Like New York raises you. So I'm, I'm very proud to be from Brooklyn. What kind of kid were you? (laughs) I was really adventurous. Um, My mom told me that I never cried, even as an infant. She thought that something was wrong with me, that I was broken, because I I never cried. Um, And I was always just very fun, very silly. I would always take risks and like climb the fences and and collect the animals. I remember every time it rained, I would uh, go down stairs into the neighbor's front yard and collect the snails because there were like hundreds of snails after it <laughs> rain. Oh my God. Um, I love the snails and I would collect them, put them in jars, play with them and then release them, you know? Um, and then I was in Florida for a minute and I, Collected lizards as well. I even broke my arm chasing lizards. Once I was climbing a window pane, and and one of the lizards scared me and I fell back and I broke (gasps) my left arm. Yeah Um, so I was I was very much like a, a Perfect like yin and yang of tomboy and little girly girl. I loved my little dresses. I loved wearing sparkles and and dressing up but I would also be the first one to get down and dirty, collect the lizards and amphibians and, and snails and whatnot. Uh, gastropods, I think is the scientific term for snail. But <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I loved to live life and I think that's a part of my, uh, personality that hasn't gone away yet. Like that's something that I, I love about myself is that I'm very much willing to live and, and, not be afraid of, of what life throws at me. So, Mm -hmm. yeah.
1: Um, well, how did you discover your interest in performing?
2: I, I was always a creative kid. Um, like I remember I would take, I think I've talked about this before I I would take, um, aluminum foil rolls and, and create outfits for myself and put on fashion shows. So I always liked being in the spotlight. Um, in terms of growing up with my family, like I would always put on some kind of dance performance or something. But I remember I was in an off, I was in attendance of this off Broadway production of the Hobbit and it was a school field trip and my mom was chaperoning and I loved what I saw and I didn't understand theater etiquette. I didn't get the rules. So I like got up to join them at some point. Um, in the middle of the performance and my mom grabbed me back and she was like, no, you can't do that. And I'm like, mommy, I want to be in the play. (laughs) And then uh, the director found us afterwards and he wasn't angry. He wasn't upset. He liked my spunk and he actually needed a kid my age um, to play a role in the South Pacific. The production was having auditions two weeks from then. And he asked me to audition. I auditioned and I booked it. And so I was with that Um, Off-Broadway play production company um, from, like, second grade till eighth grade. I was with them for a very long time, Um, and I fell in love with theater, and then I joined the drama club in middle school, and I went to, you know, LaGuardia, which is a performing arts school, and I always knew that acting was my first love, I didn't know that it was possible to turn a career out of it. It always seemed like a far fetched dream. Like, how do you even get on the movies? How do you even get on the TV? You know, it, it seemed pretty unrealistic. Um, and then I, I, I figured out a way to make it happen. <laughs> I don't know. It, <laughs> yeah, uh, LaGuardia had this uh, senior showcase, and agencies. Um, from around the city came to watch us and scout us and I got scouted and started auditioning and you know the rest is history. I'm not sure where this falls
1: uh, if you were in high school or if it was after high school but something fascinating on your resume is that in 2015 you were named Miss Poland America (laughs) so tell us about that experience like I'm so curious what made you want to enter the pageant and then to win it what did that mean to you?
2: Sure. Um, so I did not want to enter the pageant I, I didn't at all. I came home from school one day. This was in high school, senior year of high school. And I came home from school one day and my mom's like, how was your day? And I'm like, oh, it was great. And she's like, by the way, I entered you in a Miss Poland, New York, and you won because they only ch- they chose Miss Poland, New York based off of online profiles. She's like, yeah, I uploaded your pictures and your resume and you won You're Miss Poland, New York. And I'm like all right, great. She's like, yeah, and you're competing in the national competition uh, in two months. Um, Okay, without my permission fully, she just (laughs) entered me without my consent. Um, I didn't take it seriously is the real kicker because like, uh, there were a bunch of girls there. They flew in from Arizona, from California. They really wanted it. This was their passion. And it was not my, it was just fun for me. Like I decided to, to turn it into a fun experience, a learning experience. I didn't try. I didn't give it my all. I didn't, you know, put any pressure on myself. I just did it for the sake of doing it. And I won. I think they, they sense that. I think there's an element of not trying too hard that gets rid of your nerves, that lets you just be more open and, and lets you be fully yourself and that's what they look for in pageants, I guess, is, is they look for, you know, a genuine person. And I, I didn't put up an act. I didn't train with a pageant coach. I just kind of showed up, did my thing, and they loved it. Um, so that was, it was really fun. It, it was very nice when they called my name and my family got up from the table screaming in applause. It was really nice to experience it. Um, in hindsight, would I have rather had one of the girls that wanted it? To get it, absolutely. A friend of mine was competing with me. She was uh, Miss Poland, New Jersey. And she had been trying for five years. And I re- I was rooting for her the entire time. I remember when they were calling first place, I was holding her hand. And I'm like, they're going to call your name. They're going to call your name. And they called my name. And I was like, oh, my God. This is embarrassing for me. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but, yeah, it was, it was fun. I'm really grateful for the experience. I had a wonderful time. As Miss Poland for the year, um, I, I wouldn't change it, but it, I definitely did not want to do it. I'm not a pageant girl. Pageant pageantry is not my my uh, passion. So it was interesting seeing how far I could go in that competition, not even caring about it.
1: What do you get to do as Miss Poland? What are the what are the the perks of the job?
2: Yeah, so the Polish community in the East Coast, especially New York and, and New Jersey, is pretty prevalent. We have a nice, you know, group of, of Polacks, if you will. Um, and so I got to, I remember there's this Polish day parade that happens every year in Manhattan. So all of Fifth Avenue is blocked um, and each Polish community or, you know, the n- veterans and the Navy officers of Poland and, and the church group and Uh, every group gets a different float and I remember I had my own float I had a crown I got to stand at the front and I had to like wave for two hours as we went (laughs) down Fifth Avenue in Manhattan Um, the little Polish girls lined up on the sides and they were like throwing me flowers and calling me princess and like blowing me kisses and that melted my heart into like I I couldn't. that was really sweet seeing the children look up to me as an actual figure of importance they thought i was an actual queen like the queen of england or something they thought i was (laughs) coming to new york to visit Um, they looked at me like i was a star and i i loved seeing the look on their faces when i blew them a kiss they got so happy you know um i also got to attend some charity balls as a special guest i remember they auctioned off a dance with me for charity i don't remember how much it sold for but not enough, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, I, that's right. Um, but yeah, I got, I got to do a lot of fun things. It, it was nice uh, being a supporter of the Polish community, and it definitely brought me closer to my roots. I appreciated the outcome of it, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, you might have unlocked the secret to winning, which is maybe to go in not caring.
2: Right. I Listen, and I've really tried to implement that in every audition and everything that I've done so far. Um, I, I don't know. I think the day that I auditioned for days, I was having a really bad day. I was up to like 5 a.m. I couldn't sleep. I had some personal issues I was dealing with. I wasn't um, prepared at all because I walk in and, and uh, the sides were changed right beforehand and I didn't have the new side so I'm there like, memorizing it as fast as I can and at some point I just like gave it to the universe and I was like you know what it is what it is whatever will be will be and I booked it so if I have to offer anyone any kind of advice is don't care (laughs) don't (laughs) anything good things will happen I don't know (laughs) Um,
1: well your high school is pretty impressive and I imagine you know a very interesting experience to go through it so was it competitive like what was it like to be in a school full of pretty much Uh, everyone who wants to do the same thing that you're doing and then you get a break, you know?
2: Yeah. Um, to get into the school, it's really competitive. Thousands of kids audition. Um, some of the kids that got in again, flew in and, and their families uprooted and moved to New York from across America. Uh, so it's, it's very serious. And I was fortunate enough to live in the city that the school is located in. Um, but yeah, I auditioned and, and I think about a hundred drama kids get in every year and five to 6,000 kids audition. It's crazy. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. So getting that, like getting the letter in the mail, it wasn't a big letter. It was a little one. So I'm like, oh, this is a rejection. It should be because I'm thinking it's like college or whatever that I'm going to get a yellow envelope <laughs> you know, with my uh, high school acceptance letter. But it, it is as rigorous as college, honestly. Um, But being in it, it it wasn't, we weren't taught to compete with each other because we were given, I guess, a group or a typecast once we got in. They made sure that, or somewhat, they made sure that the the group of kids who got in was somewhat diverse so that we all had different roles to go for. Um, Also, they didn't let us audition for movies or anything until our last year. So it was just play. It was intense, like... Technique training, reading plays, um, different acting exercises, improv, musical theater, tap class. They just tried to get us very well-rounded for anything that we might possibly get. Um, And so half the day was blocked out for acting, which is unheard of. Uh, Even in other performing arts schools in the city, we had the most time. Therefore, our school days were really long. We would start at 7.30 and get out of school by 4, 4.30. Most kids get out at 3. Um, we were worked really hard from the very beginning, um, but I appreciate it so much because though the curriculum did care about academia, it wasn't. there wasn't a lot of stress on it. It was like you're here for your art, uh, and that's something that I really appreciate because – I don't know, a lot of kids struggle with math and science and, and the pressure to excel in it doesn't help. So the fact that they gave us support and, and, you know, like they let us know that we were there to learn, obviously, but also to do what we love and figure out how we're going to implement that in the rest of our lives. So I'm very, very grateful for going to that school. So talk us through how you ended up in L.A. I went to college for one semester and then I, I was already signed with my agency at the time and they were pressuring me to move out to L.A. And I'm like, you guys, I'm literally 18. I'm in my first semester of college. Like, don't I need to finish college first? Isn't that the rule? Like, isn't that what I'm supposed to do? they're like, no, you can finish college whenever you want. If you ever want to finish college, that's not what life is about. And I'm like, y'all are crazy. Stop (laughs) trying to make me not have a degree. I'm going to sit here. You you can keep auditioning me, but, but like I'm staying in New York. Also, I thought that my mother wouldn't go for it. I was like, my mom's not going to let you guys make me go to LA. That's insane. Uh, And then I auditioned for this film for the lead and I booked it. And I was like, okay all right. It caused me to reevaluate because I'm like, if I can book a lead in a film as my very first booking, what else can I do if I'm a full-time auditioner? Uh, So that was what propelled me and and gave me the confidence to want to go to LA. Um, And then it took my family a bit of convincing, but ultimately my, my case was, mom, if you... Force me to stay here and finish college. What I'm going to do when I graduate is move to LA, become a waitress. I don't want to get a job. in. I was um, majoring in criminal law and psychology. And I'm like, what I want to major in will force me to build a full-time career out of it. I don't want that. I I want to go to LA, get a waitressing job, make my rent money and audition, audition, audition. So if you, whether it's now or four years from now, that's what I'm going to do. So are you going to make me waste my time or not? I'll finish college. Um, after my career as an actress is over, which that's just BS completely (laughs) because it's never really over. Um, But yeah, I I eventually convinced her and I took a road trip when I was freshly 19. I took a nice seven day road trip to California and I didn't know anyone um, except for this one girl that I filmed that movie with. Oh, so I filmed the movie and then I decided to move out. That was my um, timetable because the movie filmed in Cape Cod, Massachusetts. So I was in mass for a month filming the movie, came back to New York, and moved to L.A. shortly after. Um, and, yeah, and that's when I, I started looking for waitressing jobs. I got one, and I, I started working really hard, working to get those tips to make that rent money. And then I started booking. I booked, you know, a couple of Lifetime films, a Modern Family episode, and then Days. Mm-hmm. Well, first tell us, what was your adjustment to Los Angeles like having grown
1: up in New York? It must've been a little bit of culture shock. Sure.
2: Yeah. Uh, I loved it at first. I fell in love with it completely. Um, Mostly because of the beach. I remember I was at the beach every single day. I was spending so much money um, to get there on gas and whatnot. I was just like, and that's money that you don't have when you're, you know, foraging for tips. But I'm like, this is my priority. I want to go to the beach every day. Um, I want to hike every day. I want to, you know, LA is wonderful in that it's easy to eat healthy out here and I enjoy the healthy food and there are different, you know, cryotherapy things where you go into this giant cold room and they freeze you and then an infrared red room and they sweat you out. Like, it's just so interesting to see what is available out here to do as opposed to New York. In New York, they don't really care. It's like you go on the subway, you get your pizza, you go home. So it's, it's <laughs> It's I'll really finish. different to see how I would spend my time. Um, I I enjoyed it a lot. the The culture shock and the societal part of the culture shock happened the longer I was here. So I remember a year, a year and a half in, I started being like, okay, these people are really not like people in New York, and I do miss New York. Like I've never, though I've been here for five years now, six years now, I've never lost my New York mentality. Um, And I think that's what's keeping me sane because, you know, not to knock Los Angeles, but it is a town where everyone wants something and, and when they see you, they don't see you. They see what you can do to help them. So it's just like I can't I can't handle the shallow aspect of L.A. I can't handle, you know people always needing to look perfect. So that puts a lot of pressure on me. And I struggled with that for a minute. I had some confidence issues, which was never an issue for me growing up because I just simply didn't care. Um, but I like had me starting to care and I, I hated that. So eventually I reflected, I figured it out. I'm back to like, I don't, I don't care at all. Um, and I'm, I'm healthier now in terms of my mentality, but I, I did struggle for a bit just because it was hard for me to find people that made me feel like I was at home, you know? Yeah, Yeah.
1: I can imagine. I, I always say it's a very lonely city because it's so spread out in a way. Yeah. Like with the New York, there's always, you can walk somewhere. There's always somewhere you could be by, like without a car and see people. But LA is very yeah. different in that
2: respect. Absolutely. And it's a small town. You see the same people over and over once you start going to the events and you run in the circles, and you can meet someone a hundred times and still never get to know them, it's crazy. So now let's talk about
1: some of your pre-Salem gigs. As you mentioned, in 2016, you shot an episode of Modern Family.
2: So tell us about that experience. That experience was so fun because it was my first big budget, big time role. My audition for it was pretty crazy. I was, it was early in the morning, like 7 a.m. My agents weren't up at the time. Um, and I needed to get gas right before, cause it was about a 40 minute drive from me. So I'm getting gas, I'm running a little late and I'm like, Oh my God. And, and, and the gas canister, I don't know what happens, but as I'm taking it out, it sprays gasoline all over me. I'm covered in gas. I'm like, you're, you're absolutely kidding me right now. So I run into the gas station bathroom. I take my clothes off and I start scrubbing them in the sink to try to get some of the gas out. Cause I'm covered. I don't have a change of clothes, nothing. I'm like, Oh my God, I'm going to be late for this audition. This is a huge audition. I can't miss this. Like this is my job. My job is to show up and do my thing. I reek of gas. I'm freaking out. I'm crying. I'm sweating. I'm calling my managers. Nobody's answering the phone because it's so early in the morning and it's kind of unorthodox for the actor to call the casting director directly. You're, that's why we have a team is, is to be the, you know, mediator. And I call and Alan Hooper picks up and I'm like, Hey, Alan. He's like, yeah. And, and the only reason why I have his number is from the casting email. He's like, yeah. I'm like, Hey, my name is Victoria Conniffel. I'm going to be auditioning for you in 40 minutes. I just wanted to tell you that I'm running a little bit late. I am so sorry. I had a bit of an emergency, but I'll, uh, long story short, I'm covered in gasoline. And he was like, all right, we'll wait for you, no worries. And I was like, okay, thank you. I walk in the room and all the girls look at me, because I reek, I reek. And all the girls look at me and they're like, sis, are you okay? And I'm like, no, I'm obviously not okay. I'm freaking <laughs> out. It's like mascara running down my face, like I'm freaking out. I walk into the room and it's four casting directors, and they're they have blank deadpan stares at me. And then in unison, they all burst out laughing. They're like, girl, what happened to you? And I'm like, I'm here, aren't I? This is how dedicated I am to your show right now. Let me audition for you. And they loved it. They loved my story. They loved that I stuck out in their minds. And that's how I booked it. So um, also, moral of the story, don't care and have a... (laughs) Dramatic gasoline covered moment, and good things will happen. I don't
1: know. I don't know. <laughs> we're, we're getting your book chapters one after the other here.
2: Why not, right?
1: <laughs> exactly. That's so, so funny. Um, okay. So, you also, uh, not only did some lifetime movies, but you did some lifetime movies with names that soap fans are familiar with, like Lindsay Hartley, who was on days as Ariana, um, Leslie Kay, who was on The beautiful. Uh, so tell us about, uh,
2: those projects. Those projects were really fun. I, I remember Leslie Kay actually walked up to me at some point while we were filming. She played my mother and she was like, would you ever be in a soap? And I'm like, I don't know, like, would a soap ever want me to audition? Like, bring it on. What do you mean would I ever be in a soap? Bring it on. And she was like, I'm gonna call my um, people at Bold's to see if they need someone like you because I think you would be wonderful. And I'm like, Leslie, you're a doll. Um, And then Lindsay Hartley, actually, she helped me with my audition because my auditions were simultaneous with me filming, um, what was it, The Deadly Exchange? Regardless, one of the films, the one that I filmed with Lindsay, double crossed with uh, my audition for Days. So Lindsay would run the Days audition with me um, because the Days audition process was two months long. So there was the first audition and the second and the third, then two tests. So she was helping me with the testing. And then I actually called Leslie as well. And I went to her house and we ran through it for like three hours and she helped me with it. Um, they were so lovely, and those films were so much fun. They were on location. They were night shoots. Um, I was the lead in both of them, and and that always is a nice confidence booster for an actress. Um, And, yeah, I I, I had a blast. I love them both dearly.
1: I've seen both movies, and they're great. Thank (laughs) you. (laughs) Thank you. So in
2: 2017,
1: Days of Our Lives did come calling – So you're going in to audition for the role of Sierra, the daughter of Bowen and Hope. So first tell us about the significance of Bowen and Hope to your mother.
2: Yes, so my mother immigrated uh, to America from Poland. And when she first got to the States, she obviously did not know the language. She didn't know anything. And she was home during the day and she would put Days of Our Lives on. Only Days of Our Lives, no other soap. There were other soaps airing at the same time. She chose days and she would put days of our lives on to help her learn the English language. And Bowen and hope was her favorite couple. She was a Stan, if you will. She loved them. Uh, so I didn't know who I was auditioning for. Uh, they kept it very under wraps. They kept it very secret. Even the name of Sierra. I didn't know it until my first day of work. They called me Mia in the audition sides because everything leaks someone will tell someone something and then all of a sudden it's on the internet and they did not want that. So I was under the impression that my character's name was Mia. I had no idea who I was. And once I learned that I was Bone Hope's daughter and I had scenes with Christian Alfonso, I called my mother and I told her and she was overjoyed. She freaked out. Um, And yeah, so it's uh, it's very much like a full circle moment written in the stars kind of thing for me.
1: Yeah. It's pretty, pretty amazing. Okay. So as you uh, made reference to uh, the audition process itself was kind of intense. It was a two month process, uh, multiple tryouts and so forth. Um, So what do you recall about what you had
2: to do, I guess, at each stage? And did you want it badly? I did want it bad. um, Especially because it kept they kept calling me back. So I'm like, there must be something that I'm doing right. They must see something in me seriously. It's not just like, Oh, you know, cause oftentimes they'll call actors back. The first audition process is what we call a cattle call where they just bring everyone and their mother in just to like see everyone. And then they narrow it down and then they bring you back often. Um, so I wasn't too excited about the callback because also as an actor, you have to be familiar with the idea of being rejected all the time. So, you know, in the beginning, callbacks would get me so excited. You get jaded a little bit um, and you stop being excited. So the callback didn't excite me, but the third one did. Because I'm like, okay, they must really like me. But also there was a lot of time in between the, the auditions. So I auditioned once, didn't hear anything for three weeks, and then they brought me back. I'm like, they're still casting for this? I thought they already hired her and it wasn't me. Um, and again, two, three weeks would fly by and another callback. And then the fourth audition was a test, which is when you go to the studio and you read with all the current actors and they check your chemistry and your onset. on set. They see how you film on camera, how you would look like if you were actually on the show. And so they brought us in, they brought me in with seven other girls um, and I remember I was with Lucas Adams and Olivia Rose Keegan. We were in the loft and I didn't even get a rehearsal. All the other actors, they used me as an example for the first one. And then they just shot it right after they brought me in to like, look at the blocking. So every other actress got a rehearsal. I didn't even get a rehearsal. And I was like, Oh great. I didn't get a rehearsal. Da da I was used as a little Guinea pig. I'm not going to get it, whatever. And then they call me back. And they're like, okay, we want to test her again. And so they bring me in with three other girls and we test again. And this time I tested with Christian. And um, yeah, I got a call a week after saying that I got it. And it was pretty intensely amazing. Well, how fast did you quit your waitressing job? So I was actually on my way uh, to a shift, a, a midday shift. And I was so excited that a friend of mine had to drive me to work. Cause I was just like, I was shaking. I'm like, Oh my God. Oh my God. I just booked this. This is a lead. This is a two year contract on a network show. Holy shit. Oh my God. Um, and I gave in my two weeks because the restaurant I was working at was a small business, like family owned. I, I don't want to leave them in the dust, having no one to, you know, fill in for me. Um, so, and they're very meticulous with who they hire. So I told them, I'm like, Hey guys, I will be putting my two weeks in. I booked a really fun, serious gig and I can no longer be working for you, but I will do my two weeks because I just, I couldn't leave them, mm-hmm. uh, with no one. And my managers or, one of the, the bartender at the time, she, on every ticket, she had programmed it. Um, so that every ticket we give to the kitchen, it says uh, Days of Our Lives star Victoria (laughs) And I kept one of those tickets and I still have it because I'm sentimental and I'm a hoarder and I love to keep memories. Mm -hmm. Um, So I still have one of those tickets. It was a pretty special day. Everyone was very happy for me.
1: That's That's really, really sweet. Um, Okay, so when you think back to your first day of work as Sierra, what stands out in your mind?
2: I remember being very, 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 very nervous. I was incredibly intimidated by everyone who has been on the show for so long. Um, The process of getting ready, the process of filming, the massive cameras, the sets, everything was so foreign to me. Everything else that I had worked on felt pretty lax compared to this, just in terms of like, it felt more like playtime and this felt more like business. So I... I, I, was, I was shaking in my boots, but Christian Alfonso, my first scenes were with her and she talked me through it. She calmed me down and, and made sure that I felt like I was right at home. She's like, baby girl, you deserve to be here. You're here for a reason, relax. She walked me through everything. She gave me a tour of the studio. She was wonderful. Well, you have mentioned that she was helpful to you in
1: the beginning. Um, can you talk about the role she played in helping you adjust to the character and to the show?
2: Yeah, for sure. She gave me a rundown on everything Sierra Brady, everything Hope Brady, Bo Brady. She made sure that I knew the character's history so that I wasn't surprised by anything. Um, and that let me know that she cared so much about the history. She's been playing that role for what, like 30 years at the time. Um, and she, was still so passionate about it. And it was incredibly admiral- admirable, admirable in it. It inspired me to do better. Um, just because watching how meticulous she was and, and how much she loved it after all this time, I was like, yeah, I need to, I need to match that. I need to match that energy.
1: We know, like, right away, it seems like you hit it off quite well with Ms. Olivia Rose Keegan, uh, who was playing Claire at the time. Uh, so talk to us about your friendship with her, which uh, we always think you guys are so cute together when we see you on social media.
2: Oh, she is my the little love of my life. I love her. Um, we In the beginning, I, I typically am reserved when I meet someone new. It takes me a while to open up but she was just this like bubbly ray of sunshine. And I remember feeling so comfortable around her and we immediately clicked though our characters hated each other. And that made it even more fun because we got to slap each other and punch each other and pull each other's hair. Um, and after everyone would yell cut, we would hug each other and laugh. So it was, it's, it's a blessing to be able to work with your best friend and she became my best friend because of the show. So I, I love it. And, uh, yeah, we clicked immediately. We're both Scorpios. We bonded on that. We bonded on, um, you know, we live really close in proximity to each other. So we would always be at each other's houses. Um, you know, COVID changed everything in terms of that. So, uh, I didn't, I, I wasn't over for a year, a year and a half, but we would see, we would try to see each other and, and catch up and, and FaceTime and whatnot. But, um, yeah, she is absolutely lovely. I love her to death. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, it was in your first year on the show that the sin coupling took daytime by storm. Mm -hmm. So what do you remember about when you first started working with Robert Scott Wilson? And Mm -hmm. at the time, did it feel to you like it was working? Or were you surprised by how big the audience response was when that story hit the airwaves?
2: I did feel like it was working, but I was also very surprised. I didn't know that it would blow up like it did. Because initially, Sierra was dating Theo, and then she was dating Trip. And she had couplings before and we had a fan base. We had, you know, um, the Tierra stands where they would, I remember they once sent us a Tierra because it's Trip and Sierra. So that's our couple name. And they sent me a tiara. It was very sweet. Um, but I, I've had Sierra had boyfriends on the show before. And Ben wasn't even Sierra's boyfriend in the beginning. He was just the crazy killer that picked her up from the side of the road. My, His purpose in Sierra's life was to complicate her broken leg further and complicate her broken heart because she had just walked in on trip sleeping with Claire. And uh, my purpose in in his storyline was to aid in his redemption for people to see him as the man who can take care of, you know, Salem's little sweetheart, Beau and Hope's daughter. So I didn't think that we had a romance brewing Um, but ultimately like from the get go, Rob and I, we have amazing chemistry. The writers picked up on that. The directors picked up on that. Albert Alar came up to us after two weeks of shooting and he's like, guys, you need to tone it down a little bit. You're not supposed to like be, have this much chemistry yet. Like dial it back. And we're like, all right, (laughs) I guess we'll be worse at our jobs. It's like, whatever. (laughs) Um, But yeah, it was, I, I immediately found, um, a great connection and camaraderie with Rob.
1: As a newcomer to daytime, um, were you able to appreciate just what a rarity that was, that, that the sort of Insta-following that Ben and Sierra
2: developed? Yeah, absolutely. Because not to like, compare numbers or whatever, but there are actors on the show who are in popular couplings and who have been on the show for far longer, who have garnered less Instagram followers and more time that, than I have. I have. I have no idea where these fans are coming from and how many of them have social media. My, I, I don't know. I'm, it is very rare and I'm aware of that. And I'm very fortunate to uh, have, have them and have so many die hard supporters. Like that's, Plainly put, they're diehard supporters. They love Sierra. They love Ben. They love Sin. Point blank in the story. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Yeah.
1: Well, when Mar and I talked to you in 2018, we got some serious pushback for harping on the fact that Ben was a serial killer, mm-hmm. uh, which, not for nothing, played a very big role, uh, you know, with Sierra's memory returning recently. But um, nevertheless, this couple absolutely took daytime by storm. Um, at the time, did you even think of that as any sort of maybe impediment to this being a successful relationship that he really did have such a troubled background?
2: Yeah, I mean, at risk of angering the fans, I was not, I personally was not supportive of Sierra and Ben. Like he is a woman killer, okay? Like, and he was barely even reformed by the time that, that, you know, they met and they formed their connection. That's very much Stockholm syndrome to me. That's very much like serious mental issues in Sierra falling for someone who literally killed people. Um, granted it's a soap and anything can happen and love reigns all, you know, on a soap opera, but man, Victoria was not happy with that. Love Rob, love Ben, I mean, or sin as it stands now. But in the beginning, it, it did not sit well with me. Um, just because I I stand for, you know, women's rights and and feminism, activism, all of that rings so true to me and, and it's so close to my heart. And it was difficult for me to even say some of the lines where I'm like, "But he only killed three people, and he's better now." Like, <laughs> really, really though. Like, okay, he might be better, but also, it's just—it seems that there could have been more um, reflection in Sierra's part and her own, you know, psyche before she made the decision to fall in love with the serial killer. Albeit, they're wonderful together; great chemistry. Now they have a lovely romance. He's never heard or never hurt anyone since he met her. Um, but in the beginning, it was troubling to say the least.
1: So I think it is that chemistry that Albert told you guys to tone down that um, that was so unmistakable to the audience and really helped to solidify them as a, a duo to watch. So I'm curious to know, like, where do you think chemistry comes from in general and why it seems so immediate between you and Rob?
2: I think chemistry comes from bond and friendship. We immediately started talking about how we're both from the East Coast. We're both Pats fans. We both had a similar approach to acting. We both had similar taste in music. Like everything that we said to each other, it was like, me too, me too. Oh my God, I have a dog named Lola. He has a dog named Lola. Like we just, we were like, holy moly, we're the same person, but in different bodies. That's crazy. So we bonded off the fact that we have so much in common. Um, we, you know, down to the food we eat, down to the juices we prefer to drink, down to our alcohol preference, like it's the same. We're a mirror of each other almost. And so, that when you meet someone that you can't stop talking to because you have endless things to talk about because you like talking about the same things, you form chemistry, you form a connection, you form a bond. Um, and that happened immediately because he's loud and won't stop talking. I'm loud and won't stop talking. <laughs> and together we're just this tornado of of, of explosive non-stopping talking.
1: <laughs> Incredible.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say that you can see in like any interview in any day of days thing, like you can't get us to shut up. And we bully each other too. It's really funny. <laughs> yeah. I
1: did. Uh, um, Well, this couple was definitely tortured along the way. I know that we named them most tortured couple in one of our best and worst issues. But after many kidnappings and fires and cabins, Ben and Sierra finally made it to the altar. Um, So tell us what you remember about shooting that wedding.
2: Ah, the wedding was explosive. Um, I, we barely were, we were happy for 20 seconds and then the church blew up. Uh, but I loved filming that. Filming the gritty, dramatic moments on the show are so fun. Um, as much as I want men in Sierra to be happy, man was that shoot, the shoot of a lifetime we were worked harder than we've ever have been on the show. I had so many pages. I had to stay for longer um, than Rob because Rob blew up and then his shoe was the only thing that was left. So he got to go home and I had to stay and work with the firefighters and the pyrotechnics of it all. And it was, they, they put in a lot of work and money into the episode and the sets and all the safety protocols we needed. And it just felt so refreshing to, because soaps are notorious for filming quickly. We'll film an entire episode in a day. This time it took a day to film one scene, the wedding scene. So it was just, it was refreshing to, to take forever on, on a project. Because I hadn't felt what that felt like in so long. Movies take forever. Movies, you know, you'll film six, seven pages a day and that's considered a lot. Uh, on the show, collectively, we film over 100 pages a day. So it's it's crazy. And um, just taking our time with it and seeing how much care the directors and the writers and everyone had for this scene and for this story felt really special. I was really honored to be a part of it.
1: So um, it was, you know, kind of around this time that you had made the decision, like, not to leave the show, but to take a bit of a step back from mm-hmm. the show um, and, um, you know, not, not appear as a permanent cast member. So talk us through, like, where your head was with regard to making that decision.
2: I was ready for... Um a different project, I guess. I, I was ready to do something else. And with the show's contract, it doesn't allow you to do that. Technically, you are allowed to audition, but if you book something, you have to give them a 2 months notice, and that's simply unrealistic in this town. Um, and I wasn't even getting auditions. I wasn't even exercising my audition muscle, and I just felt a little stagnant. As much as I love and appreciate being on the show personally, I needed more. Um, and the way to do that was to get rid of it completely because they, there's no way that a contract would work with what I wanted for myself at the time. So my contract was up and when it came time to negotiate, I told my team like, guys, I really, I know this is a risky move, but I, I want to be free for a little. Um, and so we talked about it and they were like, all right, we'll give you some freedom. Uh, you won't be on contract. We'll kill Sierra. For the time being and then you know because they did not want to recast me because they could have they really had the option to recast sierra completely and just have her continue on as ben's wife and have that thing um but they did not want to recast me they did not want to compromise mine and rob's chemistry together and and what i can bring to the show um and so they were very sweet and lenient and they were like all right how's this we kill sierra we blow her up and then we talked to you in seven months, how seven months, seven, eight months. And I'm like, yeah, great. That's great. Come back to me. COVID happened two weeks after. So I was like, yeah, I'm so ready to audition. Bring it on. And then everyone's like, LOL, stay at home. (laughs) Killer virus. Like it was, it was the worst timing for for what I was intending to do. And then once they brought production back in uh, September, Days was one of the first production companies to come back before Netflix, before anything. Um, and every actor in LA was desperately unemployed and days was like, Hey, do you want to come back? And I'm like, you know what? Put me on, put me on the show. I'm ready. Uh, but they kept, um, their word on not keeping me tied down. So I told them that the only way I would come back is if I remained off contract and you guys just kept me on as recurring like, please do this because I didn't have the time to audition. Like technically I was off for seven months, but so was everyone else. Like I didn't have time to do what I set out to do. Mm-hmm. So it was, it was interesting in coming back and, and they didn't really want to, they wanted to lock me down as contract cause they didn't want to lose me. God forbid, you know, to them, I booked something else, but ultimately they, they realized that they wanted to keep me as much as they could. So they were like, girl, You're making it hard, but fine, we'll put you on as recurring. And I'm like, thank you. I won't let you down, I promise. And here we are. (laughs) Well, that's pretty amazing and and unique for the
1: way that shows right now, especially days that's so far in advance. So what does it mean to you that they really have worked with you in this way?
2: It made me feel pretty awesome that they cared about me and and my acting and and whatever it is they see in me, whether it's my craft or my work ethic or or I I don't know. They saw something in me that was worth bending and breaking their rules to keep me on. And that's unheard of. And that's really special. And I like my team let me know. They're like, girl, you know how special this is? I'm like, oh, I do. Trust me, which is why I'm not going to let them down and I'm going to work harder than I've ever had.
1: So okay, let's let's get to the present year. So, twenty twenty one has brought a lot of changes for Sierra, which we'll talk about. But there's one big one that happened for you that I want to touch on, which is that you can now uh, claim to be a daytime Emmy winning actress, Victoria. Oh, yeah. Hall. Um, so, what did it mean to you to have your name called?
2: Um, it I. Mm, Uh, it felt i remember when they called my name i put my head in my hands and i immediately reflected to my younger self my younger self who dreamed about that moment and if i had told her like if i went back to elementary school victoria when she was auditioning for the south pacific and i said babe you keep this up you're gonna win an emmy one day she'd be like, you're crazy. Who's this crazy lady telling me (laughs) to win an Emmy? Like, what does that even mean? Um, it's, it's, it's pretty crazy. I, I don't like the idea of awards and award shows only because there are so many talented actors who don't get their day in the sun. And, and, it's not indicative of, in my opinion, your work ethic or how wonderful you are as an actor. I think it has a lot to do with your storyline for that year and, and how, how you showcase it. Um, and I'm just very grateful that Ron gave me the work that I had because I had some juicy, amazing, like fabulous, fabulous work to, to, to handle and, and submit for my reel. And, and it, it w- it was pretty cool. Miami is right there. I'm looking at her. Hi, sweetheart. You're so <laughs> beautiful. Um, it's just so nice. It humbles me to see how far I've come in such a short amount of time. I'm just like, man. Like I, I'm so grateful and I'm so blessed to have everything. Because if you asked me five years ago, if you asked me two years ago, you know, I'd be like, I don't know. I don't know if I, I'll, I'll win an Emmy one day. Uh, but now I have one, and I'm an <laughs> Emmy winning actress. So that's really
1: Really humbling. And if they told the girl drenched in gasoline, she would have an end. <laughs> yep. <laughs> well, it was very well deserved. Um, and certainly, 2021 has brought its own sense of drama to Sierra's story. So, first of all, we saw that she was alive in a what I call a very you-inspired cage, being held by Rhodes and reading books. Mm -hmm. Um, So did you enjoy that change of pace for her?
2: I did. I did. Um, And Jason, the actor that that kept me in the cage, he was so wonderful. He's so talented. And watching him work, he admired me. And he was learning from me. And he was asking me questions. And I'm like, my God, you are so talented. Like, what do you mean are you doing a good job? Am I doing a good job in comparison to you? (laughs) Because you're blowing it away right now. So... (laughs) It was so fun to work with someone who I've never worked with before. Like, it's not a cast member that I had known for two years and we're finally getting scenes. It was a fresh face, fresh meat, if you will, in the soap opera industry. And um, he was just, the way that he was learning from me made me really reflect and be like, damn, am I really like a pro pro here? Am I, you know, someone that this talented, talented individual is looking up to. That's crazy. So having that, having scenes with him, having the fun scenes where Sierra got to be sassy again, she got to throw the oatmeal into the glass. She got to be cunning and smart and witty and, you know, use her everything to try to get this man to let her out. Um, it, It was really fun to be playing, like, not the damsel in distress, but the damsel that is badass as well because she was stuck in the box, but she was not about to go down without a fight, which was amazing.
1: Mm-hmm. So if you're like, you know, as as you go along in soaps, you tend to check off different boxes, you know, return from the dead, check, you know. Right. interrupted Directed wedding, exploding wedding, check. Uh, amnesia, check. So check. talk <laughs> to me about, um, you know, how you approached playing Sierra who was and wasn't the Sierra that existed, you know, prior to the memory loss. But also one can I say that gave a voice to what you said about Ben's past, which I thought was a very interesting full circle moment for that. Yes,
2: yes. Um, I loved playing Sierra with amnesia. It was so, such a challenge for me as an actress because I was playing the Sierra that I was when I first joined the show. Like, I have changed so much as an actress and as a woman. Sierra, the character development that I've, you know, developed for her changed drastically. So it was, I I looked at myself to study. I would look at old Sierra and I remember, like, trying to change the inflections in my voice even so that I can sound more, because my voice has deepened over the years. So I, I tried to sound younger and I tried to sound like a bratty teenager instead of a woman who has gotten married and blown up, et cetera, et cetera. It was really <laughs> interesting to revert. Also, the dynamic with me and Rob, after he and I have been like married and happy for so long, and just like have this, you know, routine of, of of banter with each other, where it's lovely and light, even if we're in bad situations. For me to look at him and 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 hate him and be afraid of him again was so different. I remember after we filmed those first scenes he started like tearing up a bit. He was like, Mm-mm, I do not like this at all. I do not like you being mad to me, mad at me at all. We need to change this. Get your memory back. Mrs. <laughs> Weston. He would always call me Mrs. Weston. And I'm like, it's Brady now. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, it, it, it was interesting to see the dynamic with me and Rob. It also felt wrong to me to, to, cause at this point it's like, we've been through so much and we love each other so much. So it's like, it felt wrong to me to be angry with him and to throw things at him and to be like, you're a monster. Get away from me. It just, it felt weird, but it added a lot to the, to the performance aspect. Mans would cry in a heartbeat when I was mad at him. So it worked. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, you also got to be a part of the cast of
1: Beyond Salem. So tell us what that was like to film and just working with Lisa Rinna and all the other actors who you never really worked that much with.
2: Lisa is a joy. Lisa is, um, so funny. And, and like, she taught me so much about Sierra too. Apparently Sierra has a half sister named Chelsea and Billy was involved (laughs) with Bo. And I'm like, yo, I have no idea. Thanks for teaching me about this. Um, but filming Beyond Salem, because it's, it's from NBC, the budget was larger. Therefore we were allotted more time, um, and just a little bit, it just felt a little bit more like a movie. And that's something I'd been missing. That's something I'd been craving. So I, uh, I'm very, I don't know, I, I, I want to do another season. Like I'm ready to steal the Peacock Jewels again. I'm ready for it. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. And just in case anyone missed it in Digest, tell us about meeting Charles Shaughnessy as well and working with him.
2: Ah, So I grew up watching The Nanny. And I love that show. And it came on the, all the seasons came out on HBO recently. And uh, I was, I happened to be watching reruns of that. So I was looking at Maxwell Sheffield's face every night, like as I fell asleep. And I'm standing there with Rob. I had never met him before. And I'm like, wow. Oh. Do you know who that is? He's like, who? I'm like, that's Maxwell freaking Sheffield. We're looking at Max Sheffield right over here. Oh, my God. He was like, no way. I'm like, yeah. Oh, my God. I didn't let him know that I was fangirling because I feel like that's a bit unprofessional. And, and I didn't want to spook him out or, or, you know, like he wasn't playing Max. He was playing Shane. He was playing Shane. I, I didn't want to, you know, deter him from his work. I, I didn't want to freak him out or anything but i was freaking out internally i loved playing that those scenes with him yeah and then i, I went home and i watched more nanny and i was like oh my god i worked with you today how great
1: <laughs> Steph, am i remembering this correctly that we told him Did we i told him yeah, we, yeah. <laughs> Steph, <laughs> During the podcast, I had just spoken to you, so I said, yeah. "By the way,
2: by the way, Victoria Conful freaked out. <laughs> You're cool, though. I did a great job keeping my cool. Vans had no idea. Uh,
1: uh, nicely done. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> you should. You deserve another Emmy for that. Oh my um, God. Bring them on. Bring on the. Emmy. <laughs> <clears throat> okay. So uh, as you know, as if the amnesia wasn't enough, you know now. Uh, in the throes of another major story because, uh, Sierra is, uh, pregnant. Uh, but there's a twist. The devil in the form of a possessed Marlena wants that baby. So how did you find out that you were going to be involved in the possession storyline? And what was your reaction to learning uh,
2: how you would fit in? They told us immediately. Um, because remember when the impregnation, if you will, happened. <laughs> um, oh, I will. The time... Oh, we will. All right. So, the insemination happened It's um, <laughs> in that one episode where after Ben and Sierra finished making love, all the windows blew open. Like, that was when Sierra was fertilized. Um, <laughs> and so, that's the devil being like, mwahaha, the baby is mine, la-la-la. Um, and we knew from the beginning because Marlena would have those meetings with Ben, and be like, yeah, go ahead, have the baby, even if you're not ready. Yeah, you have doubts about being a father, but go ahead, have the baby. And then she would turn around and have the demon eyes. So we knew from the get-go, and I just thought it was gonna be so much fun, because I remember the possession storyline being the one that, when people ask me what I do, I say I'm on Days of Our Lives, they're like, oh, was that the soap with the possession storyline? It's so iconic. And the fact that we are remaking it with the character that it involved the first time around. The devil wants my baby. I'm ha- the devil is after me. Point case in and like theory. Like it's just the devil is here for my uterus. The devil is keeping me safe because it wants my baby. I'm so excited about the storyline! I can't wait for the fans to see what happens because you know we're filming so far ahead and uh, it gets really unpredictable and uh, crazy. So I cannot wait to see the fan reaction from what is going to unfold. Well, how have you
1: enjoyed working with Deidre Hall, not just as Marlena but as Devil Possessed Marlena?
2: I didn't get to work too closely with her as a devil. I never saw her with the contacts or anything. Um, because it was always, I don't know, like someone would always keep her away. Um, I don't know how that worked, but every time she was a devil, she would disguise herself as Marlena fully. So I never got to experience that scary part of her. Um, but working with her closely is, really amazing um she is an icon at the show and i never had scenes that had a lot of substance to them you know it was always very much passing like oh hey you know dr evans hey marlena how are you oh i'm great etc etc um so or or you know the amnesia storyline uh i had some scenes with her but even those were very um surface level so it was nice to, to get closer to her and, and work closely with her talents because she has been on the show the longest and, and it, uh, it, it was nice to work with a legend like herself.
1: Looking back now at, at the totality of the storylines that you played out as Sierra and all the different things that you've gotten to do, is there one that's like closest to your heart or even a chapter of the Ben and Sierra love story
2: that, that is closest to your heart? the scenes in the execution room where I brought Evan in at gunpoint and Ben was, you know, on the table, unconscious, those scenes I'm the proudest of because I had found out that my father passed away the day before I showed up for work to film those. So just like being proud of myself as, as a human being that I was able to do it. Um, simply put those scenes are at the top of my list. They're the first ones that came to my head when you asked me that question. And I don't think anything else is, is going to beat it. Those scenes mean a lot to me. Um, also because they helped me cope in a way. Um, it was really, I don't want to say cathartic because I wasn't using my emotions to fuel my acting because if I did, I would have completely broken down. Um, If anything, Sierra was like a shield and and a a safety blanket and a band-aid for what Victoria was feeling. So my flight back home wasn't until later that day. If I had to stay at home doing nothing all day, I probably would have driven myself up the wall. So having that job and having something else to focus on, putting all of my efforts and 110% of me into those scenes was my saving grace. So I, I do appreciate it and people ask like, well, why did, why did you go to work? Why didn't you just not show up? And I'm like, I needed to go to work. I needed to do something. So um, those are at the top of my list.
1: Well, we're obviously both so sorry. And
2: Thank you know,
1: you. you're both so sorry for your loss. And that is incredible what you were able to do then in spite
2: mm-hmm.
1: of that. Um, but also speaking of proud, what are you most proud of when you think about the mark you've made on the show as Sierra?
2: Just the fact that I could be considered a super couple or a legacy character in any way. These legacy characters that are considered icons in a way are uh, have been there for forever and they, they have done the work and made their mark. And, and I've done so in such a short amount of time. So that to me is just wild and I'm very grateful for it.
1: Well, before we let you go, is there anything that you would like to say like directly to the Days fans who are listening and who have obviously been such uh, such supporters mm-hmm. and just enormous fans of yours over these last few years?
2: Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for recognizing my art. It's what I love to do. You know, I am very much a human and what I love to do is... is what makes me happy and and what feeds my soul is going to work and playing Sierra. Um, And it's because of you that I get to do that. It's because of you that, that Sierra's storylines are so fun and I get to have so much fun with them. Your support is everything. And I love you.
1: Well, this has been the most amazing chat. I just love all your stories. You're so funny. And we thank you so much for your time and just for sharing all with us. And there's a lot of drama ahead for Sierra. So (laughs) definitely be tuning in. Definitely. Well, Well, thanks, Victoria. Have a great day. Thank you so much. You too.